Streams are swollen, keep them doggies rolling real hard. For rain and wind and weather, hell bent for leather, wishing my gal was by my side. All the things I'm missing, good bills, love and kissing, are waiting at the end of my ride. Move them on, hit them up, move them on, move them on, hit them up, raw hide. Cut them out. Ride them in. Cut them out. Cut them out. Ride them in Hello, everybody. This is a very, 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 very special episode of The Feminine Critique. Uh, I'm Emily. With me is my usual partner in crime. Um, me, Christine. Yes, me. That's me. her. I am a robot. Yeah. And because this being um, a North American national holiday week, if you will, uh, now tomorrow we over down here in the United States celebrate our day of independence. But uh, on, was it Monday? There was a holiday north of the border. And in honor of that, I mean, that, that's just kind of a side effect. We were going to... That's we the planning, plan, right? Oh, yeah, totally. No, we were planning on doing this special episode with our special soon-to-be-announced guest stars for a while. Um, but I just realized it's like Canada Day week thing. Um, so it's more appropriate. So with us would be the representatives of a podcast called Married with Clickers. Hello. That's I'm Scott. And I'm Cass. Yeah, and so thanks. Happy Canada Day. Happy Fourth to everyone. Everybody in the northern part of North America, rejoice. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll so- try. Now, for our, I like to think most of our audience listens to Married with Clickers and vice versa. Uh, now, we are good just to set you up with what we're going to be doing this week. We're actually going to be recording kind of two episodes. It's like a crossover Buffy Angel episode. Ooh. If you want to think of it that way. Okay. Are we Buffy or are we Angel? Well, we're going first, so we would be Buffy. We're Buffy. Okay. Yeah. I hope that's okay with you guys. I think it suits Scott perfectly. My an- my angelic demeanor. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Nice. Or angelic demeanor. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, it depends on a lot of factors there. Uh, right. So now, what would um, two podcasts that cover a variety of movies? We we found a theme. Uh, it's an exciting theme, if you will. What, mm-hmm. what, what's our theme? What do we got today? Who me? <laughs> sure, Christine. What, what would you um, call uh, this this week's uh, matchup? Wait, what was the intentional theme, or what just kind of happened? Because I think the intentional theme was westerns? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> but I think the the unintentional theme might have been like really bad movies. Spoiler alert to Christine's thoughts <laughs> so- on the movies of today. So- sorry, guys. No, I have I have thoughts. I have thoughts. But it was like westerns, right? Yeah. That's what the goal. Yeah. Westerns, and then it got really specific to two movies, two westerns made in 1994 somehow. Yes, that That's was right. not a, a good year for westerns. We're trying to celebrate westerns. early 90s western uh, culture. Well, now you guys at Married with Clickers, you guys, I feel like you cover a fair amount of 90s movies. Yeah, and 80s, I would say too, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to tell you how old Cat is, but I'm really old. 
I'm 40. So we're kind of more children of the 80s, 90s. So somehow, you know, we, we get back to those, those decades pretty well. I mean, Christine and I um, were both born the same year. So we were both, we're, uh, well, I can say my age. Christine might not want to say her age, even though I've just said what it is, because it's the same as mine. I'm, uh, still, I'm still 30, ma'am. Oh, I'll, no. <laughs> I'll be never, 30 for you, another you few never, months. You never feel 30 until you turn 31. You know, I'm, I am 31. And I was having uh, dinner or lunch with my boyfriend and his friends a few months ago. This is actually probably about a year ago now because it was before I turned 31. And they were talking about, like, getting, feeling older and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he said, and his friends heartily agreed, like, oh, yeah, 30 didn't affect me, but 31, man, that was rough. And I'm like, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> uh, but I don't mind. I always tend to think of myself as one year older than I am. So for Yeah, I do that, reason, too. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> Like, I have to correct myself when people ask my age. I always think it's 32. And then I remember, wait, no, I was born in 82. No, I'm actually 31. Um, so for, I think for both of us, though, this era was also, like, the early 90s is very much our cinematic upbringing. Because that's yeah. when we were going to the movies more, in a way. And when these things were airing on HBO and all the other cable channels. Uh, so, oh, so what are the movies we're covering? We haven't actually said. The only two Westerns that I know of maybe. I know. Everybody everybody knows already because it's the only two Westerns from that year, right? Maybe. I mean, you Whatever. had a lot around this time. You had Tombstone. You had White Earp. Yeah. Uh, you had Young it's not Girls those. Too, but it is not. It's not those. No. Now, for today on this episode that you're listening to right now, we are uh-huh. covering Bad Girls. Ugh. I mean, yay! <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. on Married with Clickers, we'll be covering The Cowboy Way with Kiefer Sutherland and Woody Harrelson. How the East was won. <laughs> or as you said, how the East was fun. Was fun. Uh, and now, now, you guys also, we are in July now, so it is the. Um, I might have gotten muted there. You did mute yourself. Yeah, you I, did. I, 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 I had a small heart attack. Oh, no. I, I <laughs> yeah, have buttons, just a small one. Buttons shouldn't be near me because I will press them, and I accidentally pressed the button that means my microphone. Uh, but Scott and Kat, for summertime, you guys have a special theme that you go with, do you not? <laughs> yeah, I guess in the last two years, we've done something we like to call Cruel Summer uh, in, in honor of the Bananarama song. Yeah. And uh, cover, yeah, terrible movies. Uh, hopefully most of them will star Brian Austin Green. Oh, I hope so. He, he was the, uh, now, ladies, and maybe Scott, you might all agree with me. I feel like <laughs> he was the surprise hottie of 90210 in its latter years. No. No. <laughs> I think of all I think, of the I think actors. He was. I think he, yes, thank you. Kat, you agree? Yeah. Yeah, David Silver, he came out of the blue. Well. Most of them had lost most of their hair by then. <laughs> yes, they were, yeah, all, right. they were all well past 31 when the show started. Not a lot of love for Ian Ziering in the house. No, was there ever... Did anybody ever love Ian Ziering? Cricket. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I don't... You know I'm not uh, you know, one of those people that watched that show. Man. I know, but still, did... As an outsider, You mean know who they were, yeah. He was no. he blonde? He was the blonde with the mullet. Was, no, yeah. who wants... A blonde guy that looks like that. Sorry to any blonde guy that looks like <laughs> Apologies to the Ian Ziering lookalikes out in the Married to Clickers and Feminine Critique audience. That was he was kind of like up. a, he was a bit like an Aryan Slater. <laughs> <laughs> he was! That might be the best description I have ever heard of Ian Ziering. So my friend was went to something at a mall where she was going to meet one of the characters from 90210 and she wasn't going to find it until she was there and that's who it was. Oh. 
Oh, I, what a bunch. Yeah. Very oh, disappointed. That's the worst. Because uh, that, that was like that era where the 90210 cast kept going to malls. And it yes. Kept going. But just imagine, like, you waited outside, like, for hours. You got your, your trading cards just ready to get signed. And then it's like, it's Steve. <laughs> and you just see the line, like, a big collective sigh. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so again, we'll remind you at the end how to check back in with Married with Clickers for the Cowboy Way. Um, now, before we get to uh, Bad Girls, we like to do a little segment of what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Now, Scott and Kat, do you have anything that you've been watching? Pass. Nothing. We actually, we've just been away for four days, sort of television free. Um, so nothing at all. Like these two movies and that's it. Christine, what have you been watching? Um, well, I've had another really light, basically month, because it's been like a month since we yeah, did this. Yeah, we huh? kept getting delayed. Um, yeah, I'm again, I'm embarrassing. I'm sure we'll talk about this later on on another show, but I've been watching a lot of TV. Um, I also started watching a show that's on Netflix. I just posted it in the um, on our Facebook page mm-hmm. called The Fall, starring one Gillian Anderson. Or Gillian Anderson, if you wanted to call her that. Or but Skulder, Skulder, Scully, Scully. Scully. <laughs> that's that's if, when, when they join forces, they become. I prefer to call her Skull, call them as an entity, Skulder, but that's just. Not <laughs> um, that's um, it's streaming on Netflix and it's really really good. I think you would like it. I think everybody should watch it. Um, but other than that, I watched a film called Enduring Love. It is um, based on the Ian McEwan book of the same name. Very nice. It was pretty good, but it's funny because in the book they make a point to say repeatedly that the male protagonist is like schlubby and like kind of balding and like you know like a regular looking guy. So naturally, he's played by Clive Owen. He is played yeah. by Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so we all laugh at that. I could not believe it. Like they go out of their way in that book to be like, "Hey, this is just some guy." He's the most horrifically unattractive man ever. And then, boom, Daniel Craig. And he's coming out of the surf. Yeah, and like, (laughs) not even like uglied up or anything, like like tight gray t-shirts and like walking around, damn him. But yeah, that that was a good movie. (laughs) Like, they didn't even give him glasses and a ponytail? No, you know what, honestly, I think he did have glasses, but whatever. But were they suave glasses? No, he, you could give him not suave glasses and he would look fine. Yeah. He's a hard guy to uglify. I know. I didn't even try. Um, <laughs> then I, I watched a movie in the cinema uh, called The Deadly Spawn. I don't know if you're familiar. I know with not. That. It's um, one, an early 80s movie, monstery movie, like all practical effects, like weird kind of penis looking monster. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that? No, but I feel like I know the box art or okay. something. Yeah, it, it, it had a Good resurgence. Watching, yeah recently um we saw it at the at the um at the draft house here um they've championed that film quite a bit i think it had like a a vhs re-release it was really it was really good it's it's like not just like oh this is so bad it's good it's actually good so i recommend that um i rewatched django unchained for my stint on the gentleman's guide yes go listen i listened to the first half of the episode and then i had to pause it once i knew spoilers were coming because i still haven't watched jingo oh we haven't either so i haven't listened to that yeah it's 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 very spoiler heavy Mm -hmm. so obviously fine because there's ample warning and you know 
So yeah. it's fine. It's just I will have to wait until the time yeah. comes. I recommended it. it was a good chat, even though it was like five in the morning and I haven't hadn't slept. So um, <laughs> I saw This Is the End in the theater. Oh, okay. What'd you think? Uh, I liked it so much. Okay, I almost I l- went to see that the other day. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a reason for it, and I'll explain when I explain what I watched instead. Oh, um, all right. But what did you? But you enjoyed it? I loved it. I mean, I understand that people are saying it's a bit misogynistic and it's perpetuating rape culture, but I didn't. But don't we all? No, but like I, it really. I, I'm usually hyper yeah. sensitive to that, and I never felt like it was mean spirited. Okay. But I mean, to each their own. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. It, it, I thought it was really funny. Um, kind of, It was, like, smart and, you know, really meta and all that stuff. Um, and then, lastly, other than the movies I watched for this, which were great, um, <laughs> I watched Mystery Men. Because it had been a while since How I watched How is that aged? You know what? Really good. Okay, good. Um, I, I really like... Um, Hank Azaria? Yes, that's who I wanted to say. I really like him, and sometimes I forget how just likable he is, and he's really likable in that. And, you know, William H. Macy and stuff, so. Yeah. yeah, we saw that in theaters way back when, but were you sick or I sick? Like, it just didn't work because one of us was like, all over. It's a, it's a little long, too. It's like two hours long. Is that, did Ben Stiller direct that or no? Oof, I don't know. Okay, just curious. Came out around the time he was doing a lot of double duty, and I wasn't sure if that was one of his or not. Uh, but interesting, yeah, yeah. I could revisit that one. It's streaming. It's on. Ah. It's on Netflix. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, maybe one of yeah. these days. That's it for me. Really, again, really, really light. Yeah. All right. Uh, on my end, um, I a few oldies, a few newbies. Um, I also left my house to go to a theater. If you can believe this. Uh, we went to the 10 a.m. showing, which is the first showing in the morning that you mm-hmm. can go to. Um, it's great because there, it's like old people and there's no children or teenagers, so it's really nice. Uh, and it's like half price. Uh, we saw Man of Steel. And what did you think? Uh, I didn't like it. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. Is it too serious? Yes. It's, not, it's, an, it's both too serious and it's, there's no joy or triumph in it. Which is something that I think is really important in a Superman film. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I can pinpoint to things I... Uh, there, and it's not terrible. I enjoyed it more than Superman Returns, but I am one of those people who despise Superman Returns. Um, this movie, I found there was more about this that... Like, I liked Amy Adams as Lois Lane, and I liked the way they handled the female characters, which is something that is often an issue I have with a lot of superhero films. Um, I had no problem with Henry Cavill... I, uh, uh, Michael Shannon was in it, so no matter what, that's, that's great. <laughs> uh, but there's no, like the big, like one of the biggest things that I think I really realized the more I thought about it, there's no Superman theme, and it's not that I needed the John Williams score because I understand, you know, trying to create your own thing and not wanting to rely on that, but there's like no musical identity of triumph in the movie at all, so it just you know, there's, like, there's no wonder about Superman. It's like, oh, it's more of a burden. It's the typical, like, post-Nolan thing where it's more of a burden than a joy, blah, blah, blah. And it just, by the end, like, there's so much to that's down and negative about the film. And, like, you never get this, like, the whole thing, you know, Superman really wants to save humanity and protect humanity, 
But why? There's no reason for him to love humanity based on the film. Because the only people that are nice to him are his parents who keep telling him to love humanity. And so, yeah, I had a lot of problems with it. The, and the further I am away from it, the more angry, I, not angry, but the even less I've liked it, I guess. So Russell Crowe's Jor-El, right? And, but there's no scene like the Brando one where he tells him, you got to help these people? No, that's there, if okay. memory serves. Um, there is, Russell Crowe's actually in the movie a lot more than uh, Brando was. Does he sing? Uh, I almost wish, because as, as much as that was the worst part about Les Mis, it would have made this movie amazing if he had. But that's another problem with the movie. So Krypton, okay. So you have Russell Crowe speaking with a British accent. You have Michael Shannon speaking with an American accent. You have Michael Shannon's, um, I forget the name of the character, but the female uh, Zod uh, second-in-command person who speaks with, like, a Russian accent. I don't understand how diverse Krypton was because everyone... It was so diverse. And it's like Model UN there. By the way, everybody's white on Krypton. Of course. Uh, make of that what you will, but yet they all have different European accents. Don't it, get into the Kandorian dialect. It yeah. really kind of bothered me, I'm not going to lie. Because again, it was one the of the dog in. Yeah, the more you kind of think about things, you're like, wait, but what about that? And they do this thing where Lawrence Fishburne's Perry White, and they introduce him and like the newspaper staff in like the first scene, and then an hour and a half into the movie when you have like, oh shit, shit's going down. The Zod and his men are fighting Superman and they're destroying New York City. Um, it's like, oh, wait, we need people to in the audience to care about the people in New York City. So let's bring back Perry White. Wait, I haven't seen this guy in 90 minutes. Do I care if he survives, if him and his intern make it out alive? I actually really don't. Um, and so, like, the destruction of New York uh, was another thing that watching the movie, it didn't bother me. But afterwards, I'm like, you know, I kind of feel like they were really trying to hammer down a 9-11 Imagery? Oh, really? Yeah. Like, you mm. look at it, and, like, there's dust covering everything, and there's rubble, and there's something about it that, like, the longer I sat away from it, I'm like, was he going for that? Because that's kind of tasteless. So, I don't know. The more time away from it, the, the more I'm finding it, like, worse than when my initial reaction, which was, eh, it was okay. Um, so, maybe I just need to stop thinking about it. Well, that's never a good thing. Yeah, but on, the, on that note, let me move on and think about another one. Um, I watched another movie I'd never seen from the 90s, uh, which was Primary Colors. Oh, yeah. Krispy I, Kreme. I, well, Krispy Kreme was a big thing. Krispy Kreme was that's a big right. thing. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot of 90s-ness about it because it's even, it's technically a period piece of a film. It's set, like, what, eight years before it takes place. Um, I really enjoyed it. I am not always the biggest political movie fan just because I'm not smart enough to really care about politics. Um, but this movie was just entertaining from beginning to end to me, and I, I really enjoyed everybody in it. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a hearty recommend. Um, I watched another oldie uh, that happened to be on TV, and it was one of those sucked in the, into the vortex of watching Dazed and Confused. Yeah, I think that's one of those ones you can pick up at any time and not really turn your turn away from, you know. Yeah, and it's I mean it's very much designed to be that movie that just kind of involved that you just walk in on because there's no real structure to it. Um, I always enjoy it. I, it's aged well in its own way, I think. Um, I watched uh, a good little indie that came out two years ago, a little little horror film, but not quite called The Fields. I've never even heard of that. 
Uh, it made the kind of blogging rounds a year or two ago because Cloris Leachman and Tara Reid are in it. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I've seen most casting. of their films. Yeah. Uh, but when you put the two of them together, you kind of have to check it out. It's surprisingly good. Cloris Leachman's amazing, but that kind of goes without saying in anything she does. Um, Tara Reid is better than she usually is, but still not good. But she's not in the movie that much, so it's okay. Uh, it's a thriller, I guess, set in 1970s about a little boy whose parents are alcoholic and abusive, so he lives with his grandparents, and maybe Charles Manson, like, hippies are out to kill them. We don't quite know. And there's cornfields. That would be my, my, my uh, summary. Of That's movie. your synopsis? But Cornfield. It, yeah, but it was really interesting because the, what it goes for is something very different from a genre. And I think people didn't like it because they were expecting a Children of the Corn kind of horror film. And it's not that. It's much more kind of about paranoia and just sort of like kind of the nature of fear. Uh, I don't I If you approach it with an open mind, I think it's kind of a pleasant surprise. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I have two more things I watched. Uh, one thing that I have seen a dozen and more times, uh, Brannon, my boyfriend, had never seen it. And to me, when it comes to, like, you've never seen this, the second to The Wizard of Oz, I find it really hard to believe that anybody growing up in North America has not seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I weird. Right? Go, yes. go out, go ask people you know if they have seen it. And I'm pretty much guaranteed that 99% of them have seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm pretty sure I saw it about three times at birthday parties. Yeah, like it was that perennial, You, it's, you know, it's on here, it's always on around Easter, I think, and Christmas. But it's just like every, I think every year in school, somebody, some teacher. Yeah, that's true. The school thing too. Yeah, but it's, it's great. Um, watching it with somebody who'd never seen it before, which is, is a rarity, uh, was really fun just to see, like, what, you know, kind of what the reaction is to things that I'm so used to now. Um, and it's Willy Wonka. It's always good. I still have a problem. I have a one problem with the film, obviously, which is fizzy lifting drinks. Because you want them, right? No. Because Charlie Bucket and his grandpa stole fizzy lifting drinks. I know, you've talked about this before. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> why should he get off scot-free when... He doesn't! He doesn't! He doesn't get off scot-free. He gets yelled at, and then he... Okay, He says, good day, sir! And the then he's supposed to leave. didn't get the chance to do that because they were all, you know, medically altered at that point. All of them might have given back their everlasting gobstopper. We'll never know. No, they wouldn't. Charlie got a free pass, is what I'm saying. Well, because, I'm sorry, but he knew going in who which child he was going to pick. Yes, he did. Which Oh, but that takes something away from the movie. Well, no, no. I'm, I stand I'm, by. Fizzy lifting drinks did not belong. In the, they, somebody else should have drank that fizzy lifting drink. All right. Well, it's to show that he's also a fallible character. Yeah, but he's making the same mistakes that the other four brats did, and they but, all got... But he gave his gobstopper back. They might have yeah. to. We don't know. He was less tempted, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, a, it's a big problem I have with the movie. If I were to make a fan cut, I would just delete that scene, plain and simple. But it loses something, Emily. It loses something. Because Charlie is not perfect. That's the point. No one is perfect. But all he had to do was follow the rules for one day in his but life. But that's the thing. He, that, 
It's and, not in our nature to. Okay, it's now, what we do after that counts. Now I'm going to bring in my dad's argument. My, my father is a very particular man when it comes to certain things. And there, he's had a pro, he has a problem with another scene in the movie that for years I've tried to defend, but truthfully I can see his point. When Charlie Bucket gets the golden ticket, he's, he opens up the candy bar and he's really excited because he gets a golden ticket. But what does he do? Or what does he not do? Well, he doesn't eat the chocolate. And what was the chocolate wrapped in? Paper? Yeah, what does he do with that paper? Throws it? Where? Oh, uh, does um, he litter? He litters, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Charlie. So, you know, Charlie has his problem. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. I see Charlie's flaws, and I don't see how they're that much better than Veruca and, and at all, if you will. Guys, as parents of two kids, you just want them to be just a little bit better than the rest of them. Exactly. But I aim low. But we've seen him do new <laughs> things, is all I'm saying. All, all right. right. Okay. Why don't you write, write that? Write that to somebody. Uh, what, who is going to listen to me now? They're all I don't dead. Know. I don't know. The, the Roald Doll Foundation. <laughs> somebody they needs get to a go lot of recut things. that scene. All right. And the last movie I watched, uh, instead of... Uh, going, I was hanging out with a friend, we were debating what to do, we were going, we considered going out to see This Is The End, and then instead we turned on Lifetime and realized after the Jodi Arias story was the world premiere of Anna Nicole. Oh, uh, yes. Directed by Mary American Psycho Heron. That's oh, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't know that. And co-starring Oscar nominee and winner, uh, Oscar nominee Virginia Madsen, Oscar winner Martin Landau. Oh, oh, and Carrie Elwes. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. Martin Landau plays, does he play the 89-year-old guy? <laughs> he does. That's been, yeah. right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. this sounds great. Carrie Elwes plays his son. Oh. It, was really, it was bad. It was, there's no defense. Oh, 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 and um, what's his name from, uh, was it Adam Goldberg, Adam Greenberg? Um, from Dazed and Confused. You know the guy I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. he's at uh, he Saving Private Ryan, too. Yes, he played okay. Howard K. Stern. Uh, the movie was not good. It really wasn't. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can argue around it to say, like, it, it, it was trashy, yes. Um, it didn't understand what was interesting about her. It didn't, it couldn't decide, like, it kind of just hit on the big public moments in her life. Um, but if you, you know, really want trash in your diet, then it's the right movie for you. And it's like Virginia Madsen as Anna Nicole Smith? No, Virginia Madsen plays okay. her mom. Oh, I see. Yeah, the actress who plays Anna Nicole is, is decent. I forget her Ag- Agnes something. Um, I didn't recognize her from anything, but she does the best with what she's got, which is not easy. That sounds all kinds of terrible. It's all, it is, and more so. And it's on Lifetime, folks, <laughs> which you know means quality. Um, okay, so those were all the things I've watched. Uh, plus something that, again, we'll talk about, hint, hint, uh, Married with Clickers. Yeah! Let's tease that. Uh, yeah. Keep the, pe- keep the people in- interested. I'm making a shushing motion right now. <laughs> Scott! Cat! Don't! Don't! So I'm doing my impression of um, one of the characters from that show. <laughs> we'll get there soon, though. But for now, we're going to take a quick break and come back and we're going to talk some bad girls. 
Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's House. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. (laughs) (laughs) But don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. It's a husband and wife show and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libsyn.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white He would always win the fight Bang, bang, he shot me down Bang, bang, I hit the ground Bang, bang, that awful sound Bang, bang, my baby shot me down Ladies and gentlemen, I'm okay being a girl for this one. I, I feel like you have to be. There's four of us, it's four of them. We'll all pick our parts shortly. Ooh, okay. Like, I know Kat had some friends that used to, when they, they you didn't do this, Kat, but some of your friends always, you sex in the city to each other. Yeah. But I always ended up as, uh, what's the redhead? So, Miranda. The doll Miranda. one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, she's the, the smart and practical yeah. one. I, I'm biased, but Kat's a lot better looking than the friends that played this game, but they all thought they were the hot ones. They were totally wrong. No, that's the thing. Everybody thinks they're a Carrie. Yeah. That's like, right. Or, or a Samantha. Yeah. Yeah, but well, if you think you're a Samantha, then you're really not a Samantha. If you think exactly. you're a Carrie, then like, you're probably a Miranda. Um, but even, that's something, um, not to already jump into Pretty Little Liars territory, but seriously, that's something, I, another, like, serious thing I really like about the show is that they're like, golden girls, uh, sex in the city. Like most movies where you have like four female characters, they break into those four stereotypes. Pretty little liars doesn't do that. You know, no, it's right. It's more complex than that. It really is. It's yeah. very complicated. And again, for more details on that, listen to the next married with clickers episode where we'll all talk about it. Uh, but in the meantime, 1994, it was a dangerous time to be a woman and a good time to have friends. Jonathan, <laughs> is that the tagline? That's that the sounds tagline like the tag- I found. <laughs> there must have been more taglines because there's so it, many. That, that's like seven do. paragraphs long. <laughs> yeah, and for a movie that's really can be boiled down to, Christine, you're so good at summarizing movies. Would you like to give us the quick plot synopsis? Oh my gosh, this is not an easy one to synopsize. Four cowboy broads did do prostitute stuff and then they wanted to have a sawmill and then there were too many characters. The end. <laughs> the end. My tagline would be the stakes were high, the waistlines were higher. Ooh, that's good. Uh, I guess mine would probably be 
It was the Old West where everybody's hair looked great. All the time. All the time. Beautiful. I can't work a seven-hour shift and have my hair still look normal. These broads are bouncing around on horses for three days. Yeah, with with their hands tied behind their back, with, yeah, escaping <laughs> nooses, and yet their hair looks better than mine does after just blow-drying it in the morning. Yep. Uh, Although now, I think they, they lost, they, they, I think they ran out of money for the wig budget for uh, Masters and... Yeah, she has really, like, because you've got, Andy McDowell has this, like, giant, like, butt-length mane. Mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore has the big blonde bouffant thing. Madeline Stowe just always has, like, and that was probably her real hair, because she just always had long black hair. And then Mary Stuart Masterson has, like, like very Early 80s dull, hair. Yeah, it's, like, straw-colored. Like, it just kind of hangs around her face. Yeah, I wonder what the, the, the decision, like, and why wasn't there a redhead? They needed the one from Sex and the City. That's why they needed Miranda. Like, maybe that's why this didn't work. Well, Mary Sebastian was. <laughs> oh, that's why. Wasn't she a redhead in Fried Green Tomatoes or something? Didn't they do a red on her somewhere? Ooh, I feel gonna... like she must have been a redhead at some point in movies. She's that kind of, like, that kind of face that can take any hair color, I think. Uh, now, this, now, did any of you see it in the theater when it came out? I know very few people did. I'm just curious if any of you were that no. person. No, but I remember posters for it, like, uh, you know, ads in comic books and stuff for bad girls. It was a big summer movie. It was meant to, I'm sorry, it was meant to be a big summer movie. Because this now, it's a few years after Young Guns. And essentially this is, you know, the female version of Young Guns. Complete with Dermot Mulroney. Uh, And it was, I, I can't remember where this fall. You had Silverado come out probably a year or two before it. So you had this like mini resurgence of Westerns and this movie on paper makes perfect sense. Let's get four pretty big names. They don't have to be huge names because we got four of them. So you put them together and we'll, you know, somebody's going to want to see Drew Barrymore and somebody's going to see Madeline Stowe. Uh, We'll just do a straight Western. It'll be filled with action. We'll make it R rated so we can get away with things. But then the final product does so many things wrong. I think we'd all agree. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. Now, this was directed, interestingly enough, by Jonathan Kaplan, who listeners of The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema might recognize the name instantly because I think it was last week they did, they covered Over the Edge, which was also directed by Jonathan Kaplan. Jonathan Kaplan also did The Accused, the Jodie Foster movie. Mm-hmm. That wasn't terrible, was it? No. No. <laughs> Not to say that this one is. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, he did Truck Turner. Oh, uh, which is amazing. Which I've never seen, but everybody thought <gasps> it was amazing. So good. Uh, he did uh, Broke Down Palace with a... Uh, Ooh, also amazing. Yeah. Um, That's that uh, Thailand Jail one, right? Yeah. Thailand Jail one with... Uh, with like bugs in the ears, Claire Danes. Has bugs in her ears? Or am I making shit up? Yeah, she might have. I mean, Thailand has <laughs> bugs. Why I don't remember the I, bugs. I thought that was like a subplot. I mean... <laughs> like a subplot but like something that happens in the movie when she's in prison like somebody gets like a bug goes into their ear and it's horrifying it sounds like Star Trek it would be horrifying I don't want a bug in my ear in Thailand uh, he also Christine you might remember a certain thing called the Rebel Highway series on Showtime uh, I remember that being really terrible he did one of them just like Bill Friedkin and Mary Heron oh man um, so he has and he directed a lot of SVU episodes Oh, well, good. I don't know if you directed any of the ones that um, 
Mary Stuart Masterson guest starred on, but <laughs> he did a few. Pretty uh, diverse repertoire. Indeed. Now, what's interesting, he was not the first man to be hired to direct this movie. I don't know if anybody read the IMDb trivia. I did not. Um, I did. Now, so did, did you find this interesting, Scott? That they tried to have a female director, right? I read this a couple of weeks ago, but then she got fired like two weeks into production. Very and they, quickly, yeah. Sh- it was, she shot everything. Tamara Davis, who did Billy Madison. Uh, now, I my theory about that, based on like one of the other trivia tidbits, I imagine she was going to do like a really campy movie. And the studio saw the dailies and was like, no, we got to be play it serious. So let's get like a real director in here who's going to like play it straight. And as a result, we have a really boring cowgirl movie. <laughs> um, the, so you've got the basic story of what Christine said is four hookers in the Old West who apparently get like weekends off to do like horseback riding training and stuff. Because they're all really talented in a lot of different things that I imagine is not generally what you learn as a hooker. Well, let me say this about that. Were they hookers by trade, or was that just what they were getting into, like, at that time? Because I got the distinct feeling that they were, like, Jills of many trades. Well, Drew Barrymore's character, we find out later that her father was, like, a um, Wild Bill kind of, not Wild Bill, but, like, Old West horseman Mm -hmm. show guy. So she grew up learning horseback tricks, but then, like, he lost all his money, so she had to become a whore. Uh, I believe Andy McDowell has a similar story about her father was a farmer, but then he lost all his money, so she became a whore. Mary uh, Stuart Masterson's husband died, so she became a whore. Basically, when the chips are down for the ladies, you must sell your body. Yes. It's never explained why Madeline Stowe did it. I think she, she started... I think she was a whore pretty young. Didn't they say they just he'd found her at age 14 or something oh, like that? Oh, that makes sense. But somehow within all that time, she also learned a lot about uh, tightening your thigh muscles so that you can ride a horse with your hands tied behind your back. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a really good point. She would have fallen off, huh? That's, I don't know. Like, I, I rode a horse like once or twice, and it's terrifying. And that's with me, like, gripping it with all my might. Can, do, do, can you ride a horse with your hands tied behind your back? Anyone? I can't ride a horse, I period. Have. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um... But now, so basically it opens with um, Mary Stuart Masterson is like the Charlotte of the group, I guess, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Uh, so she never wanted to be a hooker but, and like feels like she's betraying her husband. So therefore, her way of not betraying him is she doesn't kiss when she... Yeah, very pretty woman. Pretty woman who will not kiss. Yeah. Uh, and kissing is a big thing in this movie because later on, like the bloodbath at the end is all inspired by a guy making a kissy face at Drew Barrymore. That's true. <laughs> yeah, the theme of kissing is, is important in Bad Girls. Um, so the guy's like beating up Mary Street Masterson. Madeline Stowe comes to the rescue, kills them. Oh, but now they're on the run and they've become bad girls. You get a lot of random 90s actors in here. Yep. Um, among them, uh, we've got Dylan, uh, not Dylan. Oh, 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 wait. Common yeah. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. In this cowboy western movie from 1994 we get Dermot Mulroney uh Kat let me ask you if if you don't mind do you find him attractive not particularly in any movie or just in this one no generally he just doesn't do it for me Mm -hmm. Christine how about you Eh. Mm. not really Scott how about you you 
No, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't know how he makes. I don't know how he got a job. See, I feel like I always also preferred Dylan McDermott for a long time in my younger days. Um, but then I kind of realized that Harry Connick Jr. is sort of like um, a more charismatic Dermot Mulroney. I, if you put the two of them next to each other, I would have a hard time telling the difference until one of them started to sing. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I find Harry Connick Jr. really attractive. I do, too. Yeah, I do, too. So, I do no, too. I, don't, I don't see that comparison. I, I really you know don't. What they look like? I mean, you know what it is? I can't think of what movie it was that Dermot Mulroney did that reminded me an awful lot of Harry Connick Jr. and Hope Floats. I'd have to look I, it up. I was just going to say, I'd have to look at his filmography. I don't really have... The thing he did that, like, when I was watching Hope Floats back in, like, whatever, 1996, I remember thinking it was Dermot Mulroney the whole time. And when I found out it wasn't, it was kind of like a mind-blown thing. Uh, but anyway, he is the, like, leading man, if you will, of the movie. I suppose. Uh, we also get our new favorite, James LeGroux. Who's that? Uh, That's William Tucker, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Or William. He's, yeah, Andy McDowell's. Uh, oh, the the nice boy. Yeah, yeah. but Christine, what the did we farm just watch him in? What did we just watch? He looked super familiar. What did we, we just watch him in? Every movie ever, and this is what I said the last time we talked about a movie that he was in. He was in Scotland, PA. That's Joe McBeth. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're right. And he's also he was, been in he, every movie ever made. He was very handsome <laughs> in this movie. He's somebody that I really think has never given a bad performance. And who just for whatever reason never gets the lead roles and things, um, but yeah, he's and he's likable in this. He kind of gives it some charm, I think. Was, was we're trying to place him? Was he was he ever on Ally McBeal? Yes, oh. yes, he was. Oh, okay, that's it. He was the one. He was only on it for one one season. He's the one who dated the um, the uh, uh, woman who turns out to be a man, and it's like this big dramatic episode because he has to decide whether or not he still wants to date her, knowing that she kind of lied to him. Right. He's yeah. kind of got a Stephen Baldwin vibe sometimes, hmm. but also a, uh, who's that guy we're talking about? The guy from Old Brother, where are they? Oh, yeah. Uh, see, not Timothy Baldwin. Um, the, the guy, he's a bit more buck too. Yeah, Clooney. sort of nebbish guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 see, I got this, I got I, this one, guys. I kind of think that uh, James Legros is like a, a poor man's version of Brad Pitt in a lot of ways. Yeah, I very poor that. man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> impoverished. You, if you stood them next to each other, like they could play brothers in something. And I believe uh, I might have to double check this that James Agro actually replaced Brad Pitt in Phantasm Two. Might be wrong about that trivia, but I know that like he James Agro has talked about often getting the roles that Brad Pitt turned down. But I don't know. I think there's a similarity there. But so he's he's charming. Uh, how do we feel about the four girls? Mm. Now, I know that, Scott, you have you are not a fan of uh, the most popular one, if you will. Yeah, I don't know. People love like men. I'll speak for all men. Men love Drew Barrymore and she's just always bugged the hell out of me. I don't know what it is. I think it was, these were her guest years, right? When she was doing her guest commercials and stuff. Probably because she's yeah. skinny in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't I know. Think... It's just always bugged me. I've always yeah. just thought she's just a terrible actress. I agree. Um, she does this cutie thing. Uh, my dad seems to think she's cute, which kind of creeps me out. <laughs> and here is she's got like what? This was like pre-extensions, right? But she had some solid extensions going on. There was she's something a orange too. There was something, and I, I really hate to to use this as a descriptor, but there was something really porny about her. Yeah, like yeah. Well, I mean, the hair was a big part of that. The hair yeah, and like, the orange like, tan. Yeah, the orange tan, like the dewy lips. Just something about about it. Just 
Yeah. I mean, this was, it was a weird time in her career because it was, I feel like once she did The Wedding Singer, um, she kind of like cemented herself as, oh, everybody likes Drew Barrymore. She's so cute. She's so likable. But like this was the period where she was still trying to be sexy. Trines, the operative word. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it was, like shortly after Poison Ivy, right? By a few years. Oh yeah, I forgot oh, about that. That was a movie. I, I was just trying to think about. There was some movie she got kind of infamous for, and it would have been Poison Ivy. Yeah, like I think this was that era where she was still trying to do like the hot young twenty-year-old actress thing. And I mean, I actually don't mind her that much in this movie. I I think I've always thought Andy McDowell, Andy, yeah, Andy McDowell is a terrible actress. Um, but she actually comes out better than I thought she would in this, I think. Um, the problem is, like, to me, they're all boring. I think Madeline Stowe, just because she has the best part. She does. But they're all just dull. They are very boring. I have and, a question. At some point, like, so Madeline Stowe is escaping from the lynch mob, and these, these three other hookers are going to help her. Mm-hmm. Like, we never really learned why the, the four of them are pals, and they hate all well, the other hookers. This movie throws you into it immediately. In the first five minutes, you have, like, oh, okay, they're on the run now. And there is never an establishment of how they became friends. I get the feeling that this was, like, I mean, this movie had two directors in two weeks. I imagine it went over budget and stuff was cut, stuff was shuffled. I know this went through a a lot of different script drafts. And I just would guess that all of the establishing stuff got cut at some point when they realized, oh, crap, we're wasting time. We need to film the horseback riding scenes. Yeah, yeah. Because about, about halfway through my notes, I wrote, do we even know their names? <laughs> we know I'm Cody. I'm not sure when we found them out. shouting her name, Cody. Um, I'm trying to remember if I remember. I watched the movie maybe like two weeks ago, and I'm trying to remember if I remember them. It's Cody, um, Anita. Is Mary Stuart Masterson? Because in the beginning, the the drunk John is coming in and going, Anita, give me a kiss. Um, and then the other two. Yeah, Lily I don't remember. Lily, yeah, Lily, right. I think it's true. Because yeah. at one point, there's a, a moment where one of the characters says, "Come on, Eileen," and I, no, I missed that. Yes. Uh, there is also about, and I counted it. Um, something that both of our movies this week have in common. Both of them have the title set in dialogue very pointedly. Yes. So 22 minutes in, we get, these are some bad girls. Those, by, were those <laughs> the Pinkertons that said that? Because that whole Pinkerton subplot didn't really oh, go anywhere they either. They just that plot at some point. There was 19 subplots. There were so many characters in this. Every time I'm like, well, they're going to move forward with this, they would introduce yeah. new characters. Let's talk about the villains. How, which ones? Let's try to name all of them. So the first villain we get, after the, the guy gets shot, because he's a bad guy, and then we think it's like, oh, his wife hires these guys to track down the bad girls. So you see, like, get a cut to his wife, who, it's an interesting idea, because it's this obviously wealthy woman whose husband got shot in a whorehouse, which is not very something to be proud of, but who <laughs> decided, I want vengeance on these women who killed my husband. Okay, interesting idea. Set up, like, a female villain for our female heroes. We never see her again. No. Um, so then we get the Pinkertons, who are the, like, hitmen trackers she's hired. So they're tracking them. Then they disappear because we meet, like, the Billy the Kid stand-in, who is Cody's ex-boyfriend, um, who helps her. So we're like, oh, okay, so they're going to team up. Oh, no, he's actually the villain. And the Pinkertons come back. So they're villains, too. 
yes, everybody is a villain. And should we talk about, like, the Billy the Kid, uh, l the lesser Billy the Kid? Um, does he rape Drew Barrymore? <laughs> I think so, right? Kid Jarrett? Yeah, I think so. He does, right? There's, like, yeah. a, a very awkward scene of him, like, you know, making her put on a new dress mm -hmm. and, like, her spitting in his face, cut to yeah. her tied to a bed. Yeah, yeah. it's it it? his outdoor living room. Yeah, oh, that beautiful outdoor lace. It's a really Victorian nice furniture. Got. I loved it. Yeah, he's got like a sunroof. But yeah. for the old west, he knew how to live. We can't pull it, that off in Canada. Oh, it's a shame. In like the southern part of it, maybe. There's got to be some <laughs> part that, that's just born for that. Yeah. A beautiful spot. Oh, I forget. This is in Texas, this movie. Do we know? Well, I think. That, okay, here's my question. And Christine's in, in Texas, so she knows. Yeah. She knows what's going down. I guess, they I guess. In they start off in, in, in um, Echo City, Echo, 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 Colorado, Odo. And then they head south. But uh -huh. then I think, like, when they're crossing the border, they're actually crossing into Mexico whenever they go to the, 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 the outdoor living room. Their horses are really fast. Yeah. Like, uh, time travel long, horses. It's a long trip. To it's a long trip. And it wasn't just horses. They had, like, a wagon with them for a while. They made good time. Maybe it's just there wasn't traffic. Well, yeah, back then. Yeah, I mean, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Plus, there was, there was a carpool, so they were HOVing. <laughs> Deep down, it makes sense. It, it doesn't make any sense. No, a lot of things fine, though, don't make like, sense. You know, when they, had a, they had a wagon, but the axle broke. But this movie was on such a low budget, they didn't even show the axle break. <laughs> it's like, and cut it, to them fixing it. And, and there was a point where they were sticking up the train, but they didn't even show the train come to a halt. They just oh yeah, I love that. The quick guys they, run. Okay. They just cut around so many of the action bits. I mean, I just think this is a movie that probably went over, and that happens a lot with westerns because they're everything takes more time than they probably think it's going to, because you're dealing with a lot of stunts and horses and weather. This I don't know. This seemed like it was shot outside and not on a soundstage for the most part. Like it's you. This is a would be a nightmare to shoot. Adding to the fact that you were you probably scrapped most of your script, uh, you know, two weeks after filming, you could see why this was a disaster. Even though it, I think it really could have been fun, and it's a shame that it didn't. It decided not to be fun. Like it made the conscious choice. I feel like it did because it just it plays everything very seriously. It does. Like, you have some comedy, kind of, with the James LeGros character. Like, it's just kind of like, he's kind of goofy, kind of sweet. There's some humor with him and Andy McDowell. But then you also have Drew Barrymore getting raped, or not. And, and, that, and, and I guess when Madeline Stowe... Like, I think Cody got raped, too, didn't yeah. she, maybe? Yeah. You know, when yeah, she that's was, a rape. If she wasn't raped, she had everything else done to her. Right. Also, you assume that all that happened, if not... Oh, yeah, that's right, she gets beat up, beaten up, too. Um, also, it's inferred that Drew Barrymore will be passed around, too. Like, totally. yeah. everyone will get to rape her. Well, I mean, <laughs> so. this, this is the same director that did The Accused, so <laughs> clearly Seems he's got some things that he's interested in. When it on comes on to theme. Yeah. Uh, you know, every director has their trademark. In his <laughs> case, it's gang rape, I would think. Um, and yet you have, like, a score that doesn't like that thinks it's scoring Silverado and not Bad Girls. The music is always on and always loud and upbeat and too much. It it was a little right? I guess I would say upbeat. 
I noticed they, this, they ride around a lot. It's adventuresome music. It is. It is. You're right. It's. It, it's. It's. It. I know you say upbeat, but would you also possibly say joyful? Often. Yeah, it kind of was, wasn't it? A lot of times, it's joyful. And it, so it's it's like the movie just it has like the token shadow silhouette in the sunset walking on the horses shot. Mm-hmm. Like, it has all these things. It has a pretty woman scene where Madeline Stowe has to buy a dress from a shopkeeper that doesn't have yeah. her. Which is, uh, you know, it's the 90s. I guess that's what happened. Um, but it's, you know, it has a great line, kiss my sister's black cat's ass. Yeah, I didn't understand that. It took me a long I, I, time. I, I like the line when that lynch mob told Stowe she had a scorpion between your legs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what does well, that even- all women do. Little known fact. <laughs> uh, we have good image. We have a very blatant skinny dipping scene with no nudity. Yeah. Did you say this was rated R? This movie was rated R. Then, I didn't get that. Because... Uh, is it the inferred violence? I don't know. If you think about it, there is some pretty, you know, there's a lot of gunshots, there's blood, there's implications of bad things. Mm-hmm. But if you were going to rate your movie R, you go for those things. You know, you could show somebody else's ass whether or not it's a body double or not. Um, it just, it it makes no, this is one of those movies I almost wonder if they sent it to the ratings board expecting PG-13, got the R, and were like, oh shit, it's going to be too expensive to cut it down, so we'll just go with it. It Maybe, doesn't make but, sense. Was the violence that, I'm trying to think of the incidences of violence, if they were that violent. They barely they didn't like, show much the, of the, it. They no. Probably, no one could shoot straight. Yeah, with no rubber bullets. It was crazy. <laughs> I thought, like, when we watched, we watched on Netflix, I thought it was like a made for TV cut. Because yeah. every time something was going to happen, they it skipped to the next away. scene. And it's skinny. Yeah. Anytime, you know, boobs are going to be shown. You no almost cut. saw a boob. Like, you kind of saw. Oh, no, no, no mm-hmm. boob. There's a it's whole weird. bit where Dermot Moroni gets captured. They just don't show that at all. And yet they he's pretty him. beaten up, though. He's right? beaten up, but Drew Barrymore is like, oh, yeah, Dermot Moroni, that guy from my best friend's wedding, he got captured. <laughs> It was all done off screen. <laughs> it's it, it's a mess of a movie, um, which sometimes is fine. It's just a shame to me that it, it's not a mess in a fun way. Yeah, it was really boring. Yeah, I thought it was really boring. It's not that long. Um, I think it's probably. I think it's like an hour forty. It's not a two-hour movie. Well, uh, we had we had to watch it over two nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's how it. Movie. Yeah. yeah. I watched it going to work on the bus, like, for an hour, and then, like, when I came home, I'm like, oh, crap, I have to watch the next 40 minutes, and it, there's just no, it's hard to latch on to anything, because even though you kind of have a main character, Madeline Stowe is really your lead, it jumps around to the others, but you don't know anybody that well. And you don't care. You don't care. You don't know, I mean, you don't know who the villains are in this movie. And when What's-Her-Face finds out about the land that was her husband's I was like wait this is still a thing like I completely <laughs> forgot that they were still doing that and then it's just not a thing and it's like oh don't worry we'll find something else wait you will I thought this was how you were doing this you when you mean when she's in that law office mm-hmm. yeah now, you know, <laughs> I'm a lawyer and I can honestly say most of those books are just for decoration <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was pretty convenient he grabbed the like Oregon, you know, matrimonial property law right <laughs> off the shelf within 30 seconds had an answer. He's not going to get rich giving answers that quickly. Okay, but she did pay him in the end. 
So is this a, a feminist piece then? Oh, I think one could argue that this movie is, can, could, one can construe this as a pretty misogynist movie. When, <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. You know, when you brush over a gang rape. I know. Like, so they're going. But there's like Anita, to... what is that, the Masterson character yeah, at one point. She says, you know, I'm worthless before I was married. I'm worthless as a widow. I'm worthless as a whore. You know, that's sort of like her big speech of the movie. And that's yeah. the thing. You feel like at, in one variation of the script, this movie understood itself and was, you know, you could you could have made this into a modern exploitation film and had that same speech, but made the movie where it's both supporting and kind of mocking that. Yeah. This movie just wasn't smart enough to do any of it. It's a shame. And I, I mean, I, I was confused a lot. And I, you know, most of the time, Andy McDowell just stands around looking confused, too. Yeah, she did look a bit confused. Yeah. yeah. Her gigantic head. I'm not wrong about that, right? She's got like a Julia Stiles style. No, she has a big head. Yeah. She's very gummy lipped. Like, yeah. The one good thing is that she gets to use her natural way of speaking. And it's okay because she's Southern. It's like when Andy McDowell tries to not be from like Mississippi the results are usually quite humorous. Yeah, yeah. So that must have been nice for her, you know? Did you I find did, that I, when she uh, she would claim to be a ranch hand, but then was helping him uh, shovel hay? <laughs> <just couldn't. laughs> yeah, that so hay dainty. shoveling was so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Why did they let her do that for so long? <laughs> but I will say, like, the cherry pie and, like, stew she made looked pretty good. <laughs> Which, again, like, did they have to cook for themselves at the whorehouse? Where did she learn how to make... Oh, well, uh, she's a woman. I forgot. Hello. I for- I, that gene hasn't kicked in with me yet. I know, it will soon. I'm, I'm expecting a cherry pie in the mail. <laughs> you send me your address. <laughs> Hi. Um, so do we have more notes? Does anybody else uh, have any other specifics to discuss regarding the I guess the only thing, you know, you mentioned the tone, whether, you know, it should have been serious or not. And a couple people, like, I feel like a couple people were, like, I kind of felt the Robert Loggia character was kind of in on the joke. Like, I he was handed up. Robert oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he, he, had that's another thing. he shows up and dies, right? Doesn't he die? Eventually, yeah. In a shitty way, too. Yeah. I, I don't see him leaving New York very often. It's strange to see him in this kind of movie. Like, yeah. What was the appeal for him? Was it like Robert Loggia, like, always wanted to do a Western or was it just like they offered him a fairer salary and he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Three days and, work, I got this. And pay for my transportation down there. And on a horse. Because <laughs> that's clearly the fastest way to travel. Yeah, it's an interesting point that like, is it are some of these characters caricatures like Kid Jarrett, right? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. sort of like a cheap Don Johnson, but you know, he's obviously yeah. clearly overacting. So you know, is he in on the joke? I don't, yeah. Or is that just how he acts? I don't know. Did anybody else think that it hurt him to speak? That like, yes, yeah. it was so bizarre. He was putting on such a oh, I'm a Billy the Kid guy that yeah. like it hurt. It, like if I did that for a day, it would really hurt my throat. And he just cackled and laughed. No matter how many bullets were flying at him, he was still having the time of his life. And I almost wonder, too, if with him, like, they started filming and his, like, and the script had him being, like, the bad boy, but also, like, a romantic lead. And then, like, they were like, oh, Billy the Kid actor, uh, we changed the script. Here's, the, here's your next scene. And he's like, oh, now I'm a rapist. Yep. Okay. That, I wish I could reshoot my scenes for that. Because his performance is so varied, but you could tell the character is just was so poorly and inconsistently written within this movie. 
Right. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I, we were saying when we were watching, we felt like, you know, they wanted Mickey Rourke for this. Oh, yeah. They want to be Mickey Rourke. I, I don't know this guy at all, James. Was it James Russo? Ooh, yeah, I, haven't, I don't think I looked him up. I'm sure he's in a lot of stuffs. <laughs> Did any of you see Immortals? What is no. that? It was the um, ancient Greek uh, knockoff of 300 that came out oh, last year with Hendrix. No, no, I, I no. Try, think I tried to watch it and I didn't. Because Mickey Rourke is the villain in that movie, and it's kind of the exact like role of this Billy the Kid character in a way. Like I could kind of see him <laughs> with all of the headgear he wore in Immortals in this movie, and it would have been amazing. Um, did I don't? Yeah, did this actor do anything else of note? Not sure. Not with this on his resume. No. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this was a flop too. Like, I remember it being heavily touted, and I mean, it got ter- not surprisingly, it got terrible reviews. I don't know that it killed anybody's career, um, but it probably helped kind of silence the idea of big budget westerns for a while. Yeah. Mhm. I could see that. This was just a failure across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you can see why. It's not that the idea is bad. It's not that the time was wrong for a Western. It's that the execution was just probably rushed and not well thought out. Oh, yeah. No one left the theater feeling excited. Yeah, because even the ending, and I mean, we won't, we won't spoil it, although you can kind of, you know, you might be surprised by, like, one thing that happens. But the ending, like... There was a lot of possibility for it to have, like, a nice epilogue or, like, a really triumphant final beat. And it doesn't. It just kind of ends with a decision being made that isn't very specific. And no great, like, flash forward out how awesome Sawmill Life is. Yeah. I waited till the end of the credits, and I can tell you there was no, no, no bumper. Or stinger, whatever you call no, it. No stinger of the of the sawmill. No stinger of the sawmill with then the lawyer calling her and being like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. You actually can buy your husband's land back." No, none of that. No. There's just no. no this is terrible. No um, flash forward of Lily like raising the baby from you know all the men <laughs> who raped her at uh, Kid Jarrett's house, outdoor house. None of that. No. That is terrible. That, that is terrible. I just, it could have been, I mean, that could have been a sequel right there. Oh. Right? <laughs> the kid grows up, like, with all this self-hatred and decides that she's going to, like, wipe out all the men that do. Oh, you could have had, like, a rape revenge. Damn it. Now oh, I'm getting excited by something that would never happen. Exactly. And the kid talks like it's constipated. Oh, God, yes. And has, like, a big floppy blonde wig. Yeah. <laughs> and a corset. Doesn't mind, doesn't mind being forced to drink tequila. Yes, fine with that. She seemed okay with that. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, if you were knew you were about to get gang raped, you might be like, yeah, pass it on. I'd give me the tequila. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's some continuity there, I guess. Yeah. So this was uh, disappointing. I mean, I'm glad I watched it, I guess. I was always curious about it because I, I don't like necessarily have like a great Western interest, but I can enjoy them. And I like those kind of girl versions of male movies and it's such a good idea but it you know don't work yeah uh so are we about ready to rate it or does anybody have anything else uh, lingering they would like to say let's do it let's do it let's rate it all right so to the clickers contingent um the way we rate films we give them two grades we give them the quality of the film uh, and then we give a kind of quality of our... Because when you get those movies where, 
you know, you know the movie's terrible, but it really made you happy. So you have a hard time deciding where it goes. We just separate out those grades. So then we do quality of life improved upon by this movie. Um, Christine, I'm going to start with you. Um, okay. Quality of this movie. Quality of film. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Yeah. Um, I know that's super low. No, I mean, it's, it's below average, but it's not, you know, you're giving it credit for being a movie and for being made and put <laughs> together in a coherent manner. Um, and I would completely agree. I would also give it a 4.5. Um, ladies, next. Kat, what would you give it out of 10? I'm going to go right down the middle and go with 5. All right, fair enough. Scott? I'm actually going to go with 3.5. I thought oh. it was so badly constructed. Wow, I don't feel as bad now. Good. Yeah. All right, so now quality of life regarding three, this movie. 3.5. 3.5. Really? So you, yeah, you 3. really 5. did not enjoy these Really movies. didn't like it, no. Okay. Um, for me, I mean, I was, I was bored a lot of time, but... I just, the fact that this is a 1994 big budget girl western and it turned out like this, I found interesting enough. And again, for James LeGrow, I'm going to bump it up a point. So I'm going to go, um, quality of life for me, I'm giving it higher. I'm going to go 5.5. Um, Lady Cat, what would you give it? I'm going to go with five again. There were enough funny moments for me that I, I didn't yeah. mind it. Yeah, it was a total waste. And Scott. Yeah, I actually, I'll give it a six on quality of life. There, were, <laughs> there was enough here that awesome. uh, right? I dug. I think, you know, I, I just, a lot of little touches, like the fact that they had uh, Mary Stuart Masterson dressed like Laura Ingalls the entire time instead of an actual yeah. cowgirl. Weird things that? like that I really enjoyed. Like, is, somebody thought this through. I feel like the costume designer might have been the, the most talented person on staff for this film, if you think about it. And the wig. I just, I just have a thing. The ladies in really high waisted pants, mom, you know, <laughs> yeah, like 19th century mom jeans. Yeah, they should make a comeback. Let's bring it back. If we can do this, because we've got three parts of the world: we've got Canada, Texas, New York. Ladies, if we if we all vow to do this, we could start something. And if we move on to our next movie, eventually we can talk about how the, the, la- the labor we'll have to put oh, those. Oh, yeah. and we could name them like honky tonk harlot jeans. Oh. <gasps> Amazing. Was on the po- See, yeah, that haunted poster. Yep. Honky Tonk Harlan. That's, that's it. right. Oh, it's a moneymaker. Yeah, the tag would be a wanted poster. I love it. I love it. Um, it's Drew I mean, Barrymore. I don't want to give yeah, a 10 now for that reason alone. I feel better about everything now. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this movie was on Instant Watch, folks. Um, so if you so desire to see yeah. High Wasted Pants on uh, a couple of ladies, you can. Now, speaking of, we're about to close up. Before we do, um, something that we do on our show is we give a Netflix instant recommend. Um, I believe, Scott and Kat, you picked one? Yeah, and actually, I was talking to you earlier, we are going to do it off Netflix Canada, but we, we scrolled through Netflix US to see what was on there. Oh, well, that's, it's nice of you, but, you know, you can, you can give something to our Canadian <laughs> listeners. Maybe on time. both. And this is probably through. on both, right? Probably on both. Okay, so this is one that we covered way, way back. In the early years of our podcast, Ooh. Richard III with Ian <gasps> McKellen. Yes. Yes. Set in fascist England. What's oh. it like? It's a 90s film too, isn't yeah. it? Like 96 90s, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm maybe stuck in the 90s. <laughs> it's that kind of week. Oh, and mine, uh, yeah, mine's also from the 90s. It's, I think it's from the 90s. It's the animated film Ants I saw was on there. And I ah. forgot. I, I like Ants a lot. I actually think it's Woody Allen's best role in the last 25 years. <laughs> it is the perfect... Yeah, it's the perfect and role. And he for him. and Sly actually have a very good 
you know, rapport in that movie. I agree. And it's really, it's sweet, but it's also really clever. I haven't seen that since I snuck into a movie theater to see it. <laughs> um, but I remember really finding it funny. And you've got Jen, uh, Jennifer Lopez doing a voice, too. I've never seen it. I want to see oh, it right you now. Watch it. It's pretty good. And I think with all the big anime stuff, I think it gets uh, forgotten. Because it wasn't Pixar and it came out around mm-hmm. the same time as A Bug's Life. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two good choices. Richard III is excellent, except for Annette Bening. Yeah, Agreed. she's pretty bad. She brings it down, but yep. I mean, for Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Ian McKellen on its own, is amazing. Uh, Christine, what do you got? Um, my Netflix instant recommend is Upstream Color. Uh. Um, the, the, uh, is his name Jamie Carruthers? I don't know what his name is. I can't think of his Sean, name. I and I don't. Sean Carruthers. Sean? Sean? Jamie? I don't... I don't know. He's the guy that did... Um, uh, God, what's wrong with me? Primer. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, and this screened at um, South by Southwest, and I didn't see it, and I regretted it, and I was so upset because I heard it was amazing, and then it popped on instant, and I watched it, and it is amazing. I liked it so much, so... Very nice. Uh, my pick is, uh, it's not amazing, it's just a fun, dumb 80s slasher that I found really enjoyable. Uh, it is The Initiation, which was recommended, I believe, to us by someone on our Facebook group. And it's a 1984, I think, slasher. Daphne Zuniga mm-hmm. is in it. Um, Clue Gallagher is in it. Vera Miles is in it. Random cast. It's got Hunter Tylo on roller skates. Uh, it's got the stupidest what-the-fuck ending ever, um, but it's just really enjoyable as a dumb slasher, and the characters are really likable, which makes it kind of fun. So, The Initiation, it's a good, it's a good time. It's the one change you like, but it's a good time. Now, Scott and Kat, we are about to go to your end of the podcasting world. Good, good. But before we do, please uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. Okay, so uh, our show, we try to get one out a week. It's not always successful. Uh, it's a Libsyn show, marriedwithclickers.libsyn.com. Also available via iTunes. And uh, we have a Facebook group now. Uh, just search for Married with Clickers on uh, Facebook. Okay, and you guys cover, as we said earlier, you guys cover everything. We cover one movie a, a week. Uh, we alternate who gets to pick it. And I think, yeah, we pretty much hit every genre every decade. So there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, I mean, you guys it's did some... Raging Bull and you did the Brian Austin Green Volleyball movie. So. Yes. <laughs> That's a good synopsis. That's right. You cannot pigeonhole the clickers. Which no. I appreciate very much. Uh, okay, folks. So we are going to, Christine and I have not figured out what we're doing on our next episode, but we'll tell you eventually. Um, but really what you should do now, if you haven't already, is go to Married with Clickers and listen to the next episode that they're going to do, which is with us, and that is on the Cowboy Way. So until next we meet, um, I'm Emily. Um, I'm Christine. I'm Kat. And Scott. And we'll hear, you'll hear us all again shortly. Goodbye. Bye. The dress is Chanel, the shoes YSL, the bag is Dior, agent provocateur, my address today, LA by the way, above Sunset Strip, the hills all the way, my rings are by Webster, it makes their heads twirl, they all say, darling, what did you do for those pearls, what? I am a good girl.
the chateau for cocktails, the courtyard. 